And so I was so thrilled to be able to see, and I believe in Guthrie also, and many people coming to make sure you put the bottom part of this card in that says, you know what, I'm committing. I'm committing to be a spirit-led family. And for some that maybe, you, hey, I'm single, I don't have family. Oh, yeah, you do have a family. You have the most important family. It's the family of God. All of us do. And we're talking about the family of God. We're committing to be a part of this family that is bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're committing to. And so I think about that in regards to me. Whenever I was late teens, I made a commitment to read the scripture every day. I have not followed through every single day. I can't say I've kept that every day of my life. Uh, but for the most part, almost every day of my life since then, I've dove into God's word, even for it's just a little bit. Attending church, it was never a question. And back in the day before we were pastoring, we started 20 years ago. It was 34 when I started pastoring a church. But before then, um, I traveled, I worked, I wasn't ever on local church staff. We made sure we were in church every Sunday morning. And actually, back then, it was like Sunday night and Wednesday night. See, when we started North Church, we made it easy for you. <laughs> Hear me, Guthrie. Hear me, Oklahoma City. And so we're asking you to commit to faithful attendance to church. And then also, share your faith with somebody. Invite them to the house of God. And let's let God change lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what we're committing to. So, hey, just a few things um, of interest that people have been Kind of talking about is one, there has been conversation about my beard. And some people saying, Are, am I going to keep the beard or not? Am I, am I going to keep this thing going? Well, I really, there is one person I want to please on that. And uh, she likes it. She, she, says, she says she likes the beard and she specifically likes the gray. And she says, I look sexy. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, that word's put in the equation. I'm keeping it. The second thing is this week, uh, we introduced into this world our newest grandchild, Skylar Beth Day. And this is the daughter of Mitchell and Phaedra. Phaedra is our second child, our first daughter. And she was eight pounds, four ounces, born nine, six, excuse me, uh, eight, six at 9.02 p.m. And she is a wonderful, wonderful joy. Matter of fact, Gigi is with her right now, spending some quality time to help mama out, okay? To God be the glory, great things he's done. It never gets old. It's a miracle. Any baby that I've ever seen, I'm saying that's a miracle of God. It's a miracle of God. If you would turn with me in your Bibles and remain standing to the book of Romans, chapter number eight. Romans, chapter number eight. And I want to start with verse number one as we're diving into a new series today. Romans, chapter eight, and verse number one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, from here on out, when I get to that word spirit, I want you to say it with me. Agreed? Okay. Verse three. 
the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Somebody say amen to the reading of God's Word. God, we thank you for the Word of God. And may your Spirit animate every part of our lives. It's in your name I pray it done. And everybody said Amen. You may be seated. This week I sent out a question to 42 different prospective people to give some feedback. And the question was just a very simple, if you were to meet somebody, maybe in a plane, wherever, and you just, the first time you ever met them, you want to get to know them a little bit better on that little short journey that you're going to be on, that you will not see them again, what were some of the questions that you would ask? And all 42 responded, uh, varying statements, but there was three very consistent answers that I want to bring to light. One is this, what is your name? Obvious question. Number two is, where are you from? Which to me seems obvious. The third one I was interested in to see what the response would be, and I found that literally out of the 42, I think it was 30 five of them put this next one. What do you do? Or they may have said, what do you do for a living? Or what do you do for work? Um, But it was stated in some form that way, what do you do? And and I was thinking about that because I don't like that question. (laughs) When I'm with somebody and they ask me that question, I don't like that question. And some of you are thinking, are you ashamed to be a pastor? Pastor? No, 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 it's not that. It's just when I tell them what I do for a living, I'm honest about saying I'm a pastor, it changes the conversation. And I'm usually trying to plant seeds to get them in the church, and it just some way just seems to push them away when I get to that. And so I like to be undercover. 
And, and, and it's, it's paid, actually, over the years. I can't tell you how many people I've invested in and invited to church, and then they show up to church, and they come, and I say, when you come, look for me, because I'm usually there at a lot of the services. And then after the message, I'll be out in the lobby, and they'll walk up to me with their finger. They'll come out of the doors pointing at me and saying, you didn't tell me you were the pastor. And I'm like, yeah, because you might not have ever came if I told you I was the pastor. But while I'm the pastor of the church and the pastor, that role requires a lot of different diverse things to do. But I'm more than just being a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a father. And there's a difference between being a father of a, of a son and father of daughters. I, I, I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I, I like certain hobbies, so I'm a mountain biker. I like to hike. I like to invest. I, I like to be a good friend. There are a whole lot of descriptive words that you could say about me. And in this passage, the word spirit comes up 10 different times, 10 different times. And it's important, I think, to stop and evaluate who is, what is this spirit that is being mentioned again and again and again. Matter of fact, if you go to the Greek, which the New Testament was written in the Greek and the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew, in the New Testament, the word that's used there is pneuma. Pneuma literally means spirit, spirit. But I wanna go back to the original word in Hebrew, which is found all the way back to Genesis chapter number one. And that word is ruach. Look at the person next to you and say ruach. Ruach is a very diverse word and it literally means, going back to its original, it means wind, it means breath, it means energy, it means spirit. Ruach of God. Now, in fact, let me give you a definition of this, is that ruach is God's personal presence and power. And this is so important to understand. Each time you read that word, the spirit, or God's working, it is God's personal presence and power. It activates things. It animates things. It brings things to life. Matter of fact, just take just for a moment and just breathe in and then breathe out. You breathe in and then breathe out. One more time. Breathe in, breathe out. You know what you just breathed in and what you breathed out? Ruach. God's personal presence and power because you cannot do that without him. In Genesis 6, 3, it says that my spirit, my ruach, will not always strive with man. In other words, you cannot make it without the breath of God inside of you. You cannot make it without the energy of God animating you. It brings everything to life. In fact, just put your hand in front of your mouth and say your name, Rodney. 
just blow into your hands. You feel that? For some of you, do you smell that? Because your neighbor does, and we have some mints out in the cafe if you want them. It could help you out and help the rest of us out. In John chapter number three, Jesus meets with a very intelligent, one of the spiritual leaders of the day, a guy named Nicodemus. And he sits down with him and explains to him, because he's like, how do you have eternal life? And he said, you must be born again. How can I be born again? I just don't understand that concept because I'm an old man. I can't go back into my mother's womb again. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand that those things are born of the flesh or flesh, but those things which are born of the spirit is spirit. And then he uses the example of the wind. You see the wind blowing right now? You see its effects, you hear it, but you really don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but you know it's there. And he's laying out this imagery of how the Spirit of God animates life and brings us, because we cannot do anything apart from him. We cannot do one thing without his breath and energy inside of us. So Ruach is God's personal presence and power that animates and brings life to us. In Romans chapter number eight, we look at the Spirit's work in the Christian life. And I'm just gonna give you a few of them because there are so many things when it talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit gives us courage. The Holy Spirit, and the list can go on and on and on. Anything for life and godliness, it's the work of God's personal presence and power inside of us, the Ruach of God. But I'm gonna narrow down to just a few things. And first is this, is that the Ruach of God, God's personal presence and power, which is the title of my message today, convinces us. In John chapter number 16, Jesus laid it out this way. He said, the Holy Spirit was sent to convict you of your sin and to convince you of the coming judgment. In fact, Jesus is laying out there in John chapter number 16 that the Holy Spirit was sent to, to, to just convince you that I am the Son of God that you are a sinner that is in need of a savior and that there is a coming eternal judgment that you want to avoid with sin in your life. And the only hope of that is me, Jesus is saying. In Romans chapter number eight, he lays out a few things that helps us understand what the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence and power is convincing us of. And first off is this, that the law could not do what Jesus did. In verse number three of chapter eight, he lays it out there that the law could not do what Jesus came to do. In other words, the law, which was not bad, the law was good. The problem with the law is that we could not uphold to the perfection of the law, and we needed help. We needed somebody who could actually do that, and that person is none other than Jesus Christ, who came and fulfilled the law. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. He lived out every letter of the law so that he could die on a cross and that we could have eternal hope. Also, in verse number one, he lays it out there. He wants to convince you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. That when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to walk around condemned. In fact, when I preach, I don't have to preach condemnation on you. I hope you don't ever feel that. The fact, the Bible's very clear. In John 3, it says that we already stand condemned in our sin, but Jesus has come to give us eternal life, hope, and freedom that comes through Christ alone. 
Now go to the very end of chapter number eight and look at verse number 39. 39, he basically lays down there that there is now nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing. So we're convinced that nothing can separate. No demon, no past sins, no wild, crazy, harebrained idea that we have come to our mind is that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Isn't that good to know? I thought that would just like inspire more people like, hey man, Pastor Rodney. Oh, I needed that today. And then the last thing in verse 37, he says is that you are more than conquerors through Christ. So the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, God's personal presence and power wants you to convince you of these things. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That there's nothing too hard, there's nothing too great, that by the power that is inside of you, God's personal presence and power, you can do all things through Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. Oh, good to know. You know, I think we understand that as a child, it is very important that they're convinced that they are valued, that they are loved, and that they are important. Wouldn't you say? Matter of fact, children that get that from the time they are born all the way through their life, with a balance of discipline where the discipline needs to be given, but they understand that they are valued. And, and truly, if you're, they're valued and loved, you will discipline them in the right measures. But if they are valued and they're loved, they're going to feel important. And it is the incredible foundation for a fruitful life. And you know what God wants to convince us of? He wants to convince you that you are loved, that you are valued, and you are important so that you have a foundation for a fruitful life. So that no matter what you feel or what somebody else says about you or anything that's going on in your life, you know that God loves you and he values you and he says that you're important. And then everything else is gonna be okay. Bring it on, devil. I got God on my side. Abraham, our father of faith. The very man that kind of, that was the foundation for where we are today was convinced of that. In fact, in his older years, worshiping idols, his family was, God called him away to worship one God, creator of all things. And then he gave him a promise that you're going to have many children. He was an old man. He said, no, there's, there's no way, but he believed God anyway. And look what it says in the book of Genesis. It says these words, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, he, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully, set with me, convinced. Set with me, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Matter of fact, even after his child was born and God asked him to offer it on the, his son on the sacrifice, you know what, he was fully convinced that even if God wanted him to take his life, that God would raise him back up from the dead. He was convinced of the promises of God that are yes and amen. And when you walk in that, it impacts other people. The very first person that the Bible speaks of, the God's personal presence and power inside of, the Ruach of God, was a guy named Joseph. And I thought it was interesting that the last two, last week, both of our speakers on Thursday and on Sunday came from the same text. That whole Bible, they came from the same text. And I'd already planned on dealing with it a little bit this week. Go back and listen to those messages. They, they are powerful messages from all four of our past speakers the last two weeks. But 
the Ruach of God was inside of him. He went through hell on earth, but God's Ruach was always there. And when he finally came out of prison, Pharaoh looked at him. You see, because God wants you to have so much of him inside of you that it doesn't just convince you to follow him, but it convinced others to follow God. Notice what it says. It says, when he came out, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone like this man who is so obviously filled with the, say it with me, spirit of God, the Ruach of God, God's personal presence and power. He could see God's hand on his life. Oh, to have you go to your workplace, to go into the school system, to go into the cubicle at work, to go into the supermarket and people look at you and say, there is something different about you because they can see God's personal presence and power all over your life. Second word is this, this ruach, God's personal presence and power creates, creates. Go all the way back to chapter number one of Genesis and you find the word spirit. In fact, you go to the second verse of the Bible and you find spirit. In fact, let me just give it to you. In the beginning was the, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, boom. Verse two, it says that darkness covered and that the earth was formless and void and that the waters of deep and darkness was there. But then it says, and the spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. You know what that is? God's personal presence and power. Ruach is there. You know what it speaks to me? That in the middle of that chaos, God created. And when God spoke, what happened? The Ruach, God's personal presence and power, went out and created. Created everything that we see. It says to me that God can speak into your chaos and create something good out of something that seems so bad. Oh, God, do it. Whatever has happened in your life, my God can take the chaos and do something great by his creative power. And then you go to chapter number two. It says that God, out of the dust of the ground, made and shaped man. But man was still lifeless and formless. But then he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. You know what that word breath is? Ruach. God's personal presence and power, he breathed in the nostrils of man and man became a living being. It speaks to me that I cannot do anything without God. That I need his presence and power in my life every day to do anything. I cannot function, I cannot move without his presence and power in my life. And anything that I do in my flesh is void and empty, it is dark, it is filled with emptiness, it is gonna to amount to nothing, but whatever I do for him is gonna stand the test of time. Oh God, do it in our lives. Creative. You know, also, the ruach of God, God's personal presence and power, creates a way where there is no way in your life. So if you're dealing with something that you seem to have no way out of, my God will do it through his personal presence and power, if you let. When the children of Israel left Egypt and they were fleeing, 
They get out and they get to the Red Sea and then they've got this massive Red Sea in front of them and then they've got the armies of Pharaoh breathing down their neck coming toward them and they're thinking like, we have no hope. We're, we, are, we are stranded here. What happened? The Bible says that God sent an east wind that blew all night and it separated the waters and they were able to walk across on dry ground. Do you know what that wind that God sent was? It was his ruach. It was his personal presence and power that he sent. And let me tell you something, whatever Red Sea you're facing, whatever difficulty you're facing, my God can breathe the breath of life. My God can create a way where there seems no way. My God, through his personal presence and power, can change your circumstances around. Don't give up, keep believing in God. Romans chapter number eight and verse number two says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death and life. So there's a law at work he talks about here, the law of sin and death, and then there's the law of spirit and life. We choose which one we're going to live in and which one we're gonna walk in. Romans eight and 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same, set with me, spirit living within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of me? After Jesus' resurrection, you know what happened? He's with his disciples, giving them convincing signs through the power of the Holy Spirit. What raised Jesus from the dead? The Ruach, God's personal presence and power, raised him from the dead. You, you get that? You see this process? And then they look at him and say, you are the Lord. After his resurrection, you are the Lord. And then what did Jesus do? It says that he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Ruach, God's personal presence and power. Receive. In that moment, they became living beings. Before then, they were living just in the flesh. Now, they were living in the spirit. They were living for something that is eternal. Breathe on us, God. Breathe on us, God. For some of you right now, you may be struggling because of sin, because of struggles, because you're running from God. David did that in the Old Testament. Psalms 51, he ran from God. He, he, he murdered, he killed, he did so many things, but he turned back to God and it says in chapter 51 of Psalms, look what it says. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Verse 11. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your holy, what? Spirit from me. Don't take your ruach. Don't take your personal presence and power from me. I have messed up. You have been unfaithful, I have been unfaithful, but my God is always faithful. In your mess up, don't run from God, run to him and do what David did. Do what David did. The last thought I wanna give you is that the, God's personal presence and power changes you, changes you. So we went down last week immediately when the baby was born and spent some time with mama and baby. And so that first, we spent about 
24 hours, a little more than that, and got down there on Sunday morning really early and then came back on Monday. Um, but there was one period where me and Phaedra and Mitchell were in their front part of their little flat that they live in, and Shannon was kind of in the back area and you couldn't see her. Uh, but it's very small, so you could hear everything. And we're sitting there, and to this point, baby Skylar has hardly even cried. Uh, but she is just having a fit in there. And I'm like, what are you doing to baby Skylar? You know what Gigi was doing? She had all of these clothes, and she's changing her and taking pictures, and changing her and taking pictures. And Skylar proved what all of us, we don't like change. We, we don't like change. Matter of fact, we are comfortable like we are. The problem is we're sometimes comfortable in our sin. We're comfortable in our issues. We're comfortable in our stuff. And my God is saying, no, 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 no. You, no, the best thing for you is to change. We desperately need change. We not not want to change, but we need to change. And you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? The Holy Spirit is always moving us to change. Oh, you say, well, my God doesn't change. Yeah, yeah, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he doesn't need to change. You and I, we need to change. That's the problem. We sometimes stay where we are. I have people come to me and say, you know, their marriage is falling apart and said, well, he's changed or she's changed. The problem is, is that really you didn't change. You didn't adapt. You didn't do what you need to do. I have people come to me and say, pastor, we just know the church has changed too much. No, no. The problem is not that the church has changed. It's that you have not changed. Come on. We got to start letting the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence and power, transform us into who he wants us to become in life. You see, a mature Christian understands that they're on a journey of change. And that change is to become more and more like their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we get saved, we're positionally sanctified. But then there's a process of sanctification that he wants to take us to to make us more like Jesus. That's the journey that we are on. And the key, the key to this is controlling the mind. Hear me? The key is controlling the mind. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number two says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you sit with me, think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Think, think. This, this, you gotta think. Have you ever done some dumb thing like you weren't thinking? Come on, ever, I, I say this to myself. I said, think, Rodney. There's times like, think, Rodney. You should have been thinking. This past week, uh, Phaedra has hardly any area. They have no rocker, and Shannon wanted to make sure they have a rocker, so we have a rocker in our little seating area that's a kind of it's a cloth swivel rocker. It's, it's, it's incredible. You can spin it around. You can lay back. It reclines. It's just a great rocker, and so she wanted Shannon to have that, so she told me to load it up in the vehicle. Well, we're going to take her car, but it wouldn't fit in her car, and then we got took my truck, but it wouldn't fit even the back of the truck. It was just too big, but so I had to put it in the very back of the truck, you know, open to the elements. So I did this at seven in the morning because um, we knew that Shannon had his own time, but she could help me. And so did that. I left and we're going to be leaving after church like at 10 o'clock at night. And so 
But later in the afternoon, I realized I need to gas up. And so I go and I gas up. And as I'm finishing gassing up, I look at my vehicle. I'm like, I need to rinse off my vehicle. And so I just get back in the vehicle and I start driving over the car wash. Literally, right before I went in, I'm like, I can't do this. And I was able to avoid going through the car wash. But in that moment, I was thinking, Rodney, think. You know the problem with a lot of us? We've stopped thinking about the Ruach, God's personal presence and power that lives inside of us. Because if we would be reminded of that every day, it would change our behavior. It would change our choices. It would change the things that we do. It would change the way we respond. It would change the way we act. When we begin to acknowledge that God's personal presence and power is making the decisions for me, not my flesh, not my old nature, it would change everything. Everything. Look at this verse here in Romans chapter eight. He says it this way. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and what? Peace. Thinking. So you gotta change your thinking. For some of you, that means changing the things you're involved with. Some right now, you're not involved with reading God's word every day. That commitment that we made is gonna be very important to changing your life because you gotta stop watching Netflix, Netflix and you've gotta to begin to go back into and watch, listen to God's word. Amen? You gotta stop off some of the conversations you're having with certain people and start finding the right voices that are gonna reinforce God's word in your life every day. And until you do that, you cannot change into what God wants you to change into. Do it. Some, some of you need to join a North group today because you need to hang around the right people and begin to be inspired and pushed and encouraged in your faith. You need transformation. You, 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 you've stayed one way. The old way is not just stop getting on that merry-go-round. Get off of that merry-go-round. Get on a new path for Jesus Christ. Let him transform you. Let the, God's personal presence and power do his work in you. Here's the thing. You must surrender to God fully, obey God completely, and wait on God's ruach, God's personal presence and power faithfully. Faithfully. I want everybody, Guthrie, Oklahoma City, if you're home, stand with me and I want you to grab some communion and we're going to receive communion together. Whenever I was going into my sophomore year of high school, I was raised in church. I would say had a committing my life moment to Christ when I, when I was relatively young. But at this moment, at a camp setting, it's when I was more tangibly aware of God's ruach, God's personal presence and power in my life every day that set me moving more aggressively forward to becoming more like Jesus Christ. I can't say that I've always been perfect in that, but I, I, I keep falling back to, like David, going back to, I, 
Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I need your personal presence and power every day in my life. Anything that I do, a value in this life is gonna happen because of that personal power and presence in my life. When we receive of communion, you know what we're being reminded of? That it's God's very personal presence and power the body of Jesus that died for us, the blood of Jesus that we are taking in, we're reminded of that inward power of the Holy Spirit that resides inside of us, that animates everything that we do and that we cannot have life and can't do anything without him, amen? Amen. So when you receive, you're consuming and being reminded that you don't live for yourself, that's the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, fill us right now, Lord. Holy Spirit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. Our prayer team is coming up. Some of you right now in Oklahoma City and in Guthrie need to run up and just say, I want prayer. I need prayer. I need the tangible. I need the presence of God in my life in new measures and ways. Maybe maybe need God's direction. I'm going to let you receive on your own time, but I want you to wait. Wait. You see, because Jesus said this, he said, the last words he said, I want you to go and wait till you receive God's personal presence and power. The Ruach of God, the Holy Spirit. In our culture today, we are rushing everything instead of breathing in and waiting on God to fill us. Amen? I want you to receive at your own timing. And then I want you to come for prayer. Father God, do your thing right now. As we receive of your body, receive of your blood. God, may we now just wait on you and wait on you. Wait on your personal presence and power. In Jesus' name, amen.